0: Welcome to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea, hosted by Paddy O'Connell. A conversation on key legal matters that affect you, your business and your life. The News Sessions podcast with Paddy O'Connell. I offer you
1: £1,000 in cash. What do you see in your mind? He's desperate for listeners? Yes, perhaps. But what does the money look like? Is it 50s? bound up by a rubber band? Is it euros? Is it dollars? Or would you accept Bitcoin? In the past few years, whole currencies have been invented, called cryptocurrencies, which have absolutely nothing at all to do with the bank of any country. Today, we're going to open the vault of mystery about something now worth billions of pounds to ask what's in it for you and what about safety and tax? Here from law firm Derea, our tax lawyer, Helen Cox. Hello, Helen. Hi there. And cybersecurity lead Joe Hancock. Hello, Joe. Hello. What's your answer to my question? If I said I've got a £1,000 for you, Helen, what would first come into your mind?
2: Notes. notes. Bank notes.
1: Yeah, what, 50s? Are you a woman who likes 50s? 20s, maybe. 20s, yes, that's easy to get rid of. And what about you, Joe? What would you have said first thing is a £1,000 in cash? Absolutely, a big pile of cash. A big pile of yeah. cash. Nice and disposable 20s. And yet, just in the last few years, this stuff... Bitcoin and what's the other one, Wild West, they've been invented. That's right. So 2009
3: saw the the rise of cryptocurrency, the first Bitcoin transactions happening. And now there's billions of dollars every day flowing around in this cryptocurrency marketplace. And what is it exactly? What is a
1: cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency.
3: A cryptocurrency is just a digital currency. The crypto comes from the fact that these um, currencies use encryption techniques to regulate both the generation of new units of cash and to regulate the flow of funds within them. And the the real key difference is they have no reference to a central bank or any kind of regulation. They're they're totally out there. They invented digital systems. And so when the first one was invented, was it worth about $1 or £1? Not even that at all. One of the first major transactions was somebody bought a couple of pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoins, which was probably worth around $15 at the time. This is in kind of 2010, 2011. You think how much 10,000 Bitcoin would be today, that person would be a millionaire. Those pizzas may have been a bit of a regrettable purchase. So one Bitcoin is now worth
1: thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah, it's somewhere in the region, about $4,000 at the moment. And it fluctuates. There's been a big talk about how much it would go up and go down. But it's real. Basically, because we all do so much of our life online, guess what? Someone has invented an online currency. I mean, we could really simplify it like that.
3: To a certain degree, there have always been online currencies. You know, um, PayPal, for example, everyone knows quite well. But it haven't... still
1: came out, still linked to my bank account, PayPal.
3: It, it is, and, and that's the real difference between online currency and cryptocurrency.
1: Cryptocurrency is itself a store of value. It has value because we believe it has. Yes, and that, to be fair to it, I want to say it's monopoly money, but... I think that's a bit rude because, to be fair to it, money's always been that. The face of the queen on the banknote is there to reassure me, but it's basically about, do you believe my 20? Because, Helen, you're the one who wanted my 20s. Yes. And you obviously believe in a £20 note.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I I know what it's worth, and I've got confidence in the currency, and I've got com- confidence in the in the government that's backing the currency. Essentially.
1: So, and you and I trade them so much, we know what they look like, we feel they're safe. But it's only a bit of paper. It's probably not worth twenty quid. It's probably worth five p as a piece of paper.
2: As a piece of paper, yeah.
1: So, I mean, we've got to be fair to the Bitcoiners and the Wild Westers and everyone else. They're only doing what the state did five hundred years ago by saying this. We're saying it's worth that. That's exactly
3: what's happening. If you look at the kind of political roots of some of these cryptocurrencies, they're in this crypto-libertarian idea where we want our own society free from this kind of regulation and banks. So we're going to invent our own
1: currency. And that's where we've ended up where we are today. Well, some of the biggest players in the world have now started banning it. In some parts of Asia and other countries, Bitcoin's been banned. But we've got a speech from the governor of the Bank of England we can look at in a moment, what he's saying. He wants a bit more regulation. but. Can you tell us how it's being used so far? I mean, what's sort of what kind of breadth of transactions? Obviously, it started with pizzas, Helen. What's it gone gone into now?
2: I, th- I think these days people aren't using it uh, to buy pizzas with, um, but we have seen uh, property, real estate on the market that's been advertised as for sale for Bitcoin. Now, what people are really looking at is they're looking at investing in Bitcoin. Um, people are some sometimes holding that longer term to see if the value rises again and. People are playing around with it. It's, it's an interesting new pheno- phenomenon. And people are buying in one cryptocurrency, converting that into another cryptocurrency, seeing what happens mm. with values.
1: So, I mean, people love to invest in anything, don't they? From pork bellies to Krugerrands. So guess what? People are thinking, oh, I'll buy a Bitcoin at 4,000. And in two weeks, it could be worth 4,100. I mean, it's that volatile. That's what's happening. People are using it as its own market, really. It's gone from a currency to a marketplace.
3: Yeah, definitely. You see people trading between Bitcoin and other kind of currencies. I mean, some of the original transactions were were criminal in nature. Uh, It's Bitcoin and and other kind of currencies uh, have been trying hard to shake off that kind of past criminality. It has strong associations with things like online drug dealing, lots of um, cybercrime uses Bitcoin, these cryptocurrencies, because some of them are anonymous, some of them are pseudo-anonymous. And so they presented a bit like cash, a bit of a haven for criminality. That's not necessarily where we are today. Um, Criminals have moved to other currencies within the crypto world. Bitcoin is now pretty much clean. But you, you know you are seeing everything from you can get a debit card now that you can use to pay for things that will will debit you in Bitcoin. Um, But you don't really see anyone taking it on the high street yet. It really is, if you just look at Bitcoin, really is a store of value. People are holding on to it, a bit like you'd hold on to gold.
1: And and I've mentioned Wild West. That's another one as well, isn't it?
3: Yes, there's, uh, I mean, uh, last time I checked, there was 1,400 or 1,500 different kind of cryptocurrencies or kind of coins from Bitcoin. Uh, And there's new ones being added every day. It's so easy to go out and set up your own currency. All you need to do is get some people to accept it. Uh, And at that point, you know, the, the value will potentially rise.
1: Well, let's start with something that's always been a fact of life, a very real one, tax. Now, have the government here in the UK thought, if you're monkeying around with cryptocurrency, you can pay me and the Queen in pounds, shillings and pence? Uh, I mean, I'm mixing my my eras here. But has the state said, you can do whatever you like over there, but you're going to have to pay tax on your winnings?
2: Yes, they have, yeah. Um, in 2014, uh, we had some guidance issued by HMRC um, not uh, not very specific guidance um, back then it, we were still in the early days really Joe said Bitcoin um, was first issued in 2009 I think in 2011 Litecoin appeared on this on the scene that might be another um, cryptocurrency that listeners are familiar with um, 2015 Ether um, was launched so 2014 was still relatively early days um, And the guidance was... Not particularly specific. It said ultimately you're going to pay some tax, but it's going to depend on the the circumstances in which you've bought or sold your um, your bitcoin um, and the Total the gain. people involved in the. It, it, it could be a gain. It could be that you're trading um, and you, you could be taxing your profits. It could be gambling winnings. HMRC said. You oh, know? at, they at could, the beginning. At the they... beginning, they said it could have been such wow. a speculative investment that it's it's seen as it's seen as gambling winnings, which aren't. Um, subject to tax.
1: That's amazing how far we've come. So they were so bamboozled by by this, were they, they thought of it like a fruit machine. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, the other thing I suppose it will interest investors listening now is many are used to pitting their gains against their losses. So imagine I had a portfolio of stocks on which I was showing a gain and I'd been p- pushing myself around Bitcoin and lost money. Is the revenue now going to allow an investor to take the loss on Bitcoin and match it against the gains made on some of our biggest blue-chip firms. Is that happening yet?
2: We're in a funny place because the revenue hasn't said anything since 2014. <laughs> funny that. Um, so all you can do really is look at basic principles and just how you'd pay tax on any other asset that you've purchased or any other profits that you've made on a business. Um, and I, in my view, yes, you should be able to offset your losses against um, your gains or your profits just as you can on normal um normal rules. Now
1: Helen obviously you are a tax lawyer and you are telling the world to pay tax. There will be people thinking hang on a minute if this is all notional I I haven't yet incurred any debt that the revenue knows about. I haven't gone into the real world with my pounds. Do you think there are people thinking I'm not declaring something that it isn't a pounds gain at this point?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Quite possibly. But I think you've got to think about your longer term position. And it's all fine and well making millions of pounds equivalent of in cryptocurrency. But most people are going to want to spend that at some point in the future. Now, that might be by keeping it in an offshore bank account or by buying an expensive property in Notting Hill. But at some point, most people are going to want to turn their cryptocurrency back into cash or they're going to want to turn it into an asset. And it's at that point that um, that money uh, or your...
1: Assets? Assets become,
2: yeah, become traceable by HMRC because HMRC have um, a computer system called Connect and they're able to gather a huge amount of information about us all now individually as taxpayers. Ah, so, Um, So
1: Here's an example. So I am on 20 grand a year shelf stacking in a supermarket. I'm on PAYE. At night, I'm a Bitcoin billionaire and then I see a property in Notting Hill for 10 million and in this future world, the estate agents are taking my Bitcoin... So I buy it with my Bitcoin, suddenly I've entered the real world and it's ping, ping on for the revenue.
2: Yeah, your, your purchase of that property is going to be registered at the land registry and the revenue has access to the land registry. So there's every chance there's going to be a red flag up against your name that the... the PAYE income tax that you've been paying over the last few years doesn't quite align with the fact that you've bought this property. And in the last 12 months, we've seen the introduction of new powers for HMRC, um, which they can use to come along and ask you to justify where you where you got the wealth, where you got the money from um, to buy that property. Mm. That's when you're going to come unstuck.
1: And wealth is such an interesting word, isn't it? I mean, it's taken me a long time to try and understand what it is. Certainly, it's, take, it's still taking me a long time to try and get any. But in terms of currency trades... It's possible to flip without ever really having a position between the volatility of a market. That's where people have, um, listening might make money, where people who make money for years have made money in this way. So is it possible for Bitcoiners to flip and make money which is taxable without actually actually ever cashing it in?
2: Well, it's interesting because it's not really a question that HMRC addressed when they put their guidance out in 2014. Um, But we have seen other tax authorities in other jurisdictions, for example, the IRS in in the United States, um, the Australian Tax Office, um, which have issued more detailed guidance in the last 12 months. And they are very clear about the fact that if you trade one cryptocurrency in for another cryptocurrency, that's a taxable event. And there is tax to pay as if you have sold your initial cryptocurrency. And if you look at the UK position, okay, it's not something that HMRC have been um, crystal clear on. But if you go back to basics, then in my view, yes, in the UK, that crystallizes a tax liability for you.
1: So is this what you mean when you talk about going from Bitcoin to Litecoin? Exactly. Bitcoin
2: to Litecoin to Ether. Um, You sell your Bitcoin, you trade your Bitcoin in for Litecoin. If there's been an increase in value since you acquired your Bitcoin, you've made money. um, You've got a gain or profit there to be taxed.
1: You've given us some of the range there. Let me ask about some of the security. I mean, for people who are using their hard-earned pounds that I keep talking (laughs) about and buying digital cryptocurrency how safe is it deemed to be now it began in the criminal world as you mentioned largely uh, it started with criminal transactions how safe is it now for people the currency itself is is very safe. It's how you store it. And what we see
3: around cryptocurrency, like we see with all kind of digital issues, is is old crimes in new ways. There's frauds, there's thefts, there's all the problems you'd have if you were holding a large amount of cash or or you had uh, another type of, of online bank account. We do see lots of issues around you know, wallet mechanisms, so you need an online wallet or an electronic wallet to, wallet to store these currencies in. And those are vulnerable to all sorts of problems. They're vulnerable to something being installed on your computer system or mobile device that extracts the Funds, and we see people out there who are actively trying to to defraud people in the same way as people are actively trying to defraud people who use online banking. So, the currency itself is intrinsically safe. It's a it's a computer program uh, like any other. In the same way, if you're making an electronic transfer, it's safe. It's the security around the end of it. Um, but just in the same way as online banking, you need to protect you need to protect your cryptocurrency wallet as well.
1: So, if we go back to online banking, the way it began and the way that people began to be scammed and fished and basically have their money nicked. One of the things that was invented by the banks was a little, like an old-style pocket calculator in which you put your chip and PIN card and you were asked at key transactional stages to tally the latest number with the online prompt. Now, has that sort of thing gone into the world of cryptocurrency? Is cryptocurrency being protected with the sort of measures that I recognise if I have an online bank account?
3: It's been protected with similar measures. You have this concept of a hardware wallet, which often looks a bit like a USB storage device. And that really that contains the keys you need to access that wallet. And you know, when you make a transaction, it'll prompt you to say yes or no on the little screen on the device. Is this what you wanted to do? And so it's very, very similar to those hardware devices you're used to using for your, your online mm-hmm. bank today. But
1: if we have listeners who are, have found a way to buy Bitcoin and they're not being offered hardware that is somehow secure along the lines I mentioned and you mentioned, are they very exposed? It depends on the amount of, of currency they hold. If you're holding
3: several thousand pounds, tens of thousands pounds, millions of pounds in, in in cryptocurrency, you absolutely need to put some security around it. The downside is, you know, your bank has a responsibility to protect you and so therefore will issue you the hardware you need. In this space, it's totally unregulated. There's no bank. You need to go and secure things yourself. So I'd always say to people, make sure you go and take advice from someone who kind of knows what they're talking about. They'll be able to provide you some guidance around it. Mm. So you do need to have a piece of hardware if you're going to do this securely. Absolutely. I always advise that people have what's known as a hardware wallet. That means that if there's ever a problem with their endpoint, their computer system,
1: the cryptocurrency savings they have are to a certain degree um, protected. Mm. I mean, so it is analogous to my uh, example of online banking. There was a piece of hardware given out and that helped reassure people and people knew how to use it. Absolutely. It's it's the giving out that's the key though. There's no
3: one there who takes responsibility for this at the moment. Mm. So there's no one who's going to help you protect this, who's going to
1: take that responsibility for you. You very much have to do it yourself. that's why it's such a fascinating area of law, because this isn't necessarily the sellers breaking the law. They're operating in a lawless condition. That's as we'll later hear, that's what the government of the Bank of England has been saying. He wants more regulation. But in the meantime, we're not accusing these people currently of breaking the law. There isn't a law. No, online transactions... If you're doing something legitimate, it's,
3: it's legitimate. There's nothing really to worry about. It's, it's the underlying activity. When we talked about kind of criminality earlier, that was things such as you know, people selling drugs online. That is a criminal act, and people therefore are, need to be worried about the proceeds of that. They just happen, in this case, to be in cryptocurrency, whereas your, your average drug deal would be in cash it's still a criminal act. there's still a problem there's no real difference because of the
1: the cryptocurrency involved. right so what about this um, i mean i began by asking you know you listening i was going to give you a thousand pounds but if i take that concept because i obviously now haven't i would rather let you down but if i take that concept what if i want to give this stuff away as a gift in my lifetime mm-hmm. or in my will when i eventually uh cark it well,
2: this is an interesting point and this is another way in which you might be subject to tax so just when you, when you give anything away, that's potentially, that's a disposal. It's treated for tax purposes a bit like you've sold it. Even if nobody's paid you for your cryptocurrency, if you've given it away and you've given it away and it's worth more now than when you acquired it, then that's treated as a gain and you're subject to tax.
1: So in my lifetime, is it subject to the normal sort of seven-year rule? Can I give away anything and live seven years and there's no tax?
2: For inheritance tax, yes. 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 For inheritance tax, if you survive it by seven years, there shouldn't be any inheritance tax to pay. But if, you're, if you've are if you made a gain on the cryptocurrency when you give it away, then you're potentially subject to capital gains tax on that gift.
1: So I should look upon giving as selling? Yes, you should. And that's already, have there been test cases? Has the revenue already come at people who've, who've tried to to get this no. sorted out it's just your advice this
2: is just my advice yeah um now there are some reliefs available when you give anything away um and if it's uh if it's a business asset then you might be eligible for relief if um obviously everybody has a certain amount of gains that they can make each year that they don't have to pay any tax on that's right um so if you're within that limit then there's not going to be tax to pay but you need to you need to seek advice basically
1: and if I haven't, I mean, we know the risks of not making a will. If you don't make a will, the state gets it and then decides whether or not to give it to someone in your family. It's, it's a very big piece of advice. If you're listening and you haven't written a will, write a will. Uh, <laughs> but on the subject of dying with cryptocurrency, if I haven't ascribed its value to anyone, if I haven't sold it or given it away, it's in my hardware wallet, it could just remain in the ether kicking around with my name on it and I'm gone. Absolutely, and it might not even have your name on it. I mean, these currencies—you
3: know—there's no way really to attribute a particular currency holding to a person. They are pseudo-anonymous to a certain degree. This is why they've been used for nefarious purpose previously. If you haven't told somebody that you've got these holdings, you haven't—you know—captured that somewhere, be it in a will or another document. These may never be found. They may just continue there in the for, for time immemorial.
1: And then, if it's my password. To get into the hardware wallet or whatever it is, it may be that my loved ones never even know how to get it out. I could be sitting on a cryptocurrency cash pile fortune enormous bonanza and they'll never be able to get it. Exactly. So I mean that goes in that's hand in hand with all the way we need to get our affairs in order. We need to tell loved ones our Facebook password, we need to tell them on our death, we need to have a special folder, don't we, of all this stuff, including how to get it at my cryptocurrency.
2: Yeah. But it also needs to be kept securely because ultimately if somebody you know, breaks into your house and steals your personal information and they've got your keys to, and, and your hardware wallet in, in their hands, then they're going to be able to take your cryptocurrency. It's all, so you have it, to think about security.
1: I feel like you're, you're, you're Keanu Reeves in the Matrix and that, uh, that, you know, it's all the talk of, isn't it, you know, keep your cryptocurrency safe in case of death. I mean, it's totally new to me, I have to tell you. Um, if um, I want to hold my cryptocurrency jointly... Is that possible with a business partner, with a life partner? Have we got into that level of intricacy yet? And what security arrangements could be put into place, do you think, to make that happen, Joe?
3: It's an interesting question to me. It's it's no different than holding any other kind of asset in the same way that you think about your digital family photo album. It's just data. In the same way that will be kind of held and accessed by two parties, your cryptocurrency could be the same. Um, it would be very different from a joint bank account, but again, because there's no names on it. But if you and a business partner both have access to the same wallets, if you, if you know what's in there and you treat it like a bank account that you control, I see no reason why... You shouldn't both or multiple parties be able to have access to it in the same way you would have any other kind of digital or data related assets.
1: Yeah,
2: if, oh. yeah. If if you're if you're sharing anything with a business partner like cryptocurrency, um, and it, you know it's easy if you hold a company and you hold a company together, you both own shares in the company that's registered, um, at company's house, and everyone can access that information. And you've got evidence, you've got proof that you own those shares. If you're holding cryptocurrency with somebody, um unless you uh trust them with your life you probably want to think about documenting that so that you've got some sort of rights um to enforce against them in the event that they run off with your hardware wallet
1: this is like so much that begins online isn't it you know it starts simply with a couple of keystrokes and before you know where you are you've gone in deeper than you ever suspected you know late at night looking at pictures of cats playing with ping pong balls you didn't want to do that when you set up and you sat down did you and now you started a bitcoin and you've opened up a huge digital world for yourself what type of institutions are accepting cryptocurrency so we've spoken about how the pizza was the start how there was good criminality proof at the very beginning because it was sort of anonymized. but now we've come forward since 2009 to 2018 who in the UK is accepting it by way of institutions?
3: Uh, some of the financial services institutions now are uh, for kind of trading purposes. So, as an alternate kind of asset class, people are people are doing that. Uh, I'm not aware of many businesses that are accepting it kind of on a on a day to day basis yeah, your directly.
1: Is either one pound fifty or one thousandth of a bitcoin? I haven't seen that.
3: No, and it's also a bit of a risk where, you know, that coffee could be one pound fifty today, but it could be £1,000 tomorrow. Do you really want to give that Bitcoin away in that kind of regard, you know? Especially because people are holding it and kind of betting on that rise in future value. Lots of online services accept cryptocurrency now. It's much more um, widely accepted in the online space. But I think we will see more general acceptance of cryptocurrency in certain areas, which tend to lend themselves to technology more broadly.
1: So we, you're predicting a growth in the use of cryptocurrency?
3: Uh, if a transaction's on the high street or, or, or with retailers, yes, definitely. I think in the online space, it will also continue to grow. I don't think we'll ever see a point where cryptocurrencies replace cash. They're just too widely accepted at the moment. Mm.
1: Uh, so let's get into some of the things that have been said about changing it. So the governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, he wants greater regulation. Whereas the group that represents cryptocurrencies, this really does sound like out of bond, it's called Crypto UK, says it supports new regulation, but that policymakers shouldn't try to adapt existing financial rules to digital currencies. They want a new sort of regulation. Are you familiar with this argument?
3: Uh, to a certain degree, uh, and you you often hear this around new technology in general. You know, there, there's always two sides to it. Today's regulations are perfectly fine, we just need to apply them differently. Yes. Or there's always a set that think, no, though, this is so different, we need totally new regulation. And you know, this is playing out as it played out with the internet in kind of the early 2000s.
1: Yes, and that's why we're talking to two lawyers, is because basically this is going to be settled in some big cases, I imagine. Have there been... Uh, is there any evidence of, of any coming up you know because let's, if we talk about the countries which have decided this is so complicated we're banning the use of it there's several countries I've seen on the list who've said you can't have it
2: yeah we haven't heard any talk of that in the UK I don't think but um, certainly the regulatory authorities are looking at, at whether it should be regulated and how it should be regulated
3: and what do you think about it? Well, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm only a technologist. Helen's the the only real okay. lawyer in the room, so I'll, I'll talk to one lawyer and one, and one technologist. I'll, I'll defer to Helen's legal opinion, definitely.
2: <laughs> I think it. I think to to be more widely accepted um, by businesses and by banks, um, there has to be some form of regulation around it. Um, there are other jurisdictions that have started to regulate cryptocurrency, and those jurisdictions are attracting a lot of businesses that are looking. Um, to 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 use cryptocurrency as a, a method of fundraising or to launch their own cryptocurrencies.
1: So it's possible. There's probably even a middle ground if the cryptocurrency people want more use of their cryptocurrency. And if the regulators want more regulation, it's probably going to have to come together. If it's going to be used more, it's going to have to have a clearer rule system.
0: Absolutely. And that will
1: help them and it'll help out. It will help Takana. everyone
2: on, on both sides. So,
1: so it's a very changing, exciting area to be in. It's something we should get educated on. You've helped us a lot. Let me end by asking for some basic advice. I mean, you know, I was a business journalist. I always told everybody the stock you fall in love with is going to ruin your life. It's going to fall in great value the moment you've told Granny Smith to buy some. So always remember shares, investments go down. But what about some decent technology advice and some decent tax advice as we close? So let's start with you, Helen. Give us, give us your top tax tips on cryptocurrency.
2: Top tax tip, I think, is that so many people... Um, aren't thinking through the tax consequences of the money that they're making. Um, They're not declaring um, their profits or their gains. And um, in my view, HMRC is going to catch up with them. So I would say um, take advice if you can, at least if, if, if you're not taking professional advice, do some reading around the subject. And a lot of people have really gotten into investing in the last 12 to 18 months. So when your tax return's due um next january you need to have a serious think about what you need to be declaring
1: lovely and what about you joe in a technological tip A tech tip, let me call it, because that makes it sound more
3: modern. A tech tip. I think this is a great area to get involved with because, you know, you're going to learn a lot about the technology behind it. And this is the world we live in now. But at the same time, I think the the idea that you'll you'll buy a Bitcoin tomorrow and you'll be a billionaire in five years through, through doing very little probably won't happen. So, you know, at the same time as this is a great area to get into, I would approach it with some caution. There's a reason it's risky. There's a reason it's volatile.
1: And get myself a hardware wallet. Absolutely. Two words I never... I got up this morning and I never knew those two words had ever been bolted together before. Don't you feel better for it I now? do. <laughs> thank you both very much indeed for taking us on a sprint round cryptocurrencies. Tax lawyer Helen Cox, thank you. And cybersecurity lead Joe Hancock, thank you. Both from Mishkondorea. And to you for listening to the news sessions, I'm Paddy O'Connell. Hope to find you next time.
0: News Sessions in partnership with Mishkontorea. Find more of the News Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. The News Sessions is a Jazz FM production for Mishkontorea.